0: Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things wellness. I'm Elaney Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. Hello, Renegades. Welcome back, Renegades. Welcome back to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. Ah, <laughs> we are back here today with you, and Elaine has some amazing information for us. That's right. Today we're gonna go over
1: the top five things you can do to be healthier today. I cannot wait. This was your idea,
0: so I know cause I'm like, help help me. If <laughs> I can just like funnel down what I need to do in my life and to be healthier and you just write an action plan then I'll do it. Yeah. Yes, you do. You like the action plan. I do like the action plan. But if I just like think of things I could do, I'm just like, whatever. But if you tell me, then I'll do it.
1: Feels a little bit more structured.
0: Yes, yes. so I also think that means that, like you're an authority in my life. So that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> with this power comes great responsibility. I
1: am drunk with power.
0: Yes. <laughs> Can that be one of your advices The drinking? Is that one of your top five things to it's, do to be healthier? You know,
1: it is one of my top five. Yes. It's just I- drinking water. Oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> just, womp, womp. Womp, womp,
0: womp. I feel uh, like there should have been like a butum psh ching. <laughs> good no, good. Okay, so without further ado, um, I can't wait to hear all of your advice and the ways that we can be healthier just in general. And this is going to be part one of um of two. So um I'm here for all the info. So Elaine, wh- what's wh- what's the starts with the first things first? Okay. What is one thing we can do to be healthier one today? Thing.
1: So we're gonna go through the five things, like we said, the five things you can do to be healthier today. So I'm gonna go through items one through three today on today's podcast and then four and five on our next podcast. Yep. So that we don't talk for Hours and hours. We could
0: talk forever about just healthy things.
1: We could talk forever about anything. About anything. <laughs> yes,
0: that's very true. That's very true. We have
1: opinions. By our powers combined. Yes. yes. Oh, no. Um. So what we're going to go through for today is the top three. So what the...
0: Okay. And also, I just... While you're looking for your doctor. Yeah, right thank there, you. At the end of it, I am at the end of part two... I'm actually going to give you K's top five for your health. Oh, so I, and I have no letters behind my name. I have no education on it. Okay, but I'm going to give my five. Just, okay, we'll so, give her five. So, yep. So stay tuned for that. They're no f- credibility, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so starting with the top three, the first that we'll go through okay. is eating a whole foods diet. Yes,
0: eat real food. Eat real food.
1: The second one is going to be drink water.
0: Not vodka. Not
1: vodka. V- vodka. The third one is going to be sleep. So, those are the three we're going to cover today yes. eat a whole foods diet, drink water, and sleep. And then, next Easy. podcast, we'll cover exercise and get outside and meditate and breathe. I love it. I combined them, so I kind of cheated. It's. Those were kind of four on the last. <laughs>
0: yes, 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 yes. But
1: I'm com- I'm combining them. Exercise yeah. and get outside. I'm combining yeah. movement, action, movement yeah. exactly, yes. and movement. then meditating and breathing. Typically go hand in hand. Mm, So I'm combining them.
0: Been a game changer for me. Yes. Okay.
1: Yep. So secretly, you get an extra two. Oh,
0: for the price of seven for the price of five? Yeah, for the price of five.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So today, starting with eating a whole foods diet. So I know it will sound kind of funny to say this on a nutrition podcast, but I don't actually want to spend a whole ton of time on this particular topic.
0: Food, our favorite.
1: Topic, Yeah, Yeah, only because we cover it and will cover it in every podcast that we bring here for the most part. So because we talk about healthy foods so often, I don't want to just
0: bombard the people. Bombard, exactly.
1: So I'm going to hit really high level points with it today. Um, And then go ahead and listen to our sugar podcast if you haven't listened to that. Listen to our fats and oil podcast if you haven't yeah. listened to that. Listen to our podcast on intermittent fasting and the keto diet. We have a lot of other podcasts and more to come on exactly the things to eat to be healthy and how to eat them. Um, So I'm not gonna rehash all that mm-hmm. information today because we've already provided some good podcasts on it and we'll continue to do so. So yeah. So high level what I mean by eating healthy is avoiding processed foods.
0: Not good.
1: Avoiding refined sugars. Ugh. Avoiding vegetable oils. Right. And then focusing on eating healthy fats. Amen. Eating high-quality like protein. Bit. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, yes. And then yes. you need a built-in, like, applause meter. Yes, yeah, I think that's a clap. I'll, do, I'll, I'll save that
0: for the, for the high point here.
1: So eating healthy fats, eating high-quality proteins, and eating yeah. plenty of vegetables, um, yeah. ranging uh, from 8 to 18 servings a
0: day. And I'll do that yeah. a little
1: bit, but... Okay, that, and that's a lot. Yes. But
0: okay, and how much is a serving a half cup? Is that right? Yes, ma'am. A serving is a half cup. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And, and I have some sneaky ways that I sneak that in there. Like the, you told me to add frozen rice cauliflower to my shake in the morning and then a little spinach in there. okay.
1: Yeah, so it's not so bad. I mean, it's going to be awesome if you do it. You feel really good. Yes, your
0: body can detox. You're getting all your cells, every nutrient they need, all the vitamins, minerals, micronutrients, all of it. That's right. And just so that
1: you don't think I'm being like a judgy, crazy person, I'm not perfect at this either. And I usually average about 12 servings of vegetables a day.
0: That's impressive. That
1: is what I've worked up to. So I'm not not at 18, but that is my goal. So I'm continually... Working to improve and press upward. Yes. That's always my goal is like optimizing, optimizing, optimizing. And so I reach a level of like a new level of success with dietary and lifestyle. And then once I've gotten comfortable there, I start pressing to the next thing. So, how do I get an extra two servings of vegetables in? How do I get higher quality protein? How do I get better quality fats? I'm always up leveling. So, just that. To me, that's how I view everybody. And I don't ever have judgment for wherever people are at. So start where you are. Start where you are. Accept where
0: you are. It's all good.
1: So if you just heard eight to 18 servings and you were like. like,
0: No way, Jose. Yeah.
1: You're like, wow, I'm getting two. Don't judge yourself. Just add one more cup. Add one. Yeah.
0: And then go from there. Add one more cup. Yep. So I'll say that you have made a way where it's like, oh, I have to discipline or no. The world I feel like. Oh, I have to discipline myself to eat the vegetables, just eat it. And then it feels like a chore and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But watching you cook, when I come here in the mornings, you're still eating breakfast. <laughs> always, always. Every time <laughs> Kate comes
1: over here, I'm still making She's breakfast. So
0: <laughs> but it's like, I see you put your Brussels sprouts with your refried beans, with your bacon on top. And I'm just like, with your sauce and your salsa and your egg, I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks amazing. Yes. So it's not like, make yourself eat vegetables. It's like, no, make your vegetables taste gorgeous. Yes. yes. And you do a fine job of well, that. Thank so. you. Yeah. Yes,
1: you would know. for And <laughs> <experience.
0: laughs> drool over your breakfast.
1: <laughs> so starting with the first tenet of that. So when we avoid processed foods, what I mean by that is avoiding... Obviously, like pre-packaged yep. foods, kind of the the rule of thumb I've heard that I think is a helpful way to look at it is avoid anything with a barcode.
0: Yes. So in the center of the grocery store, too. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: So, like, if you think about, I mean, they all have stickers now, but in theory, produce doesn't have a barcode. Yeah. A uh, fresh of like a fresh slab of meat doesn't have a barcode. So whole yeah. food, single ingredient foods—that's what you want to focus on. So yeah. that is how I grocery shop. Um, I sh- we shop the perimeter. So, um, you know, we walk into the grocery store and we go straight to the produce aisle and that makes up 90% of our cart. And then we'll go to the meat and dairy section and we'll get whatever we need from that section. Um, and that's about 10% of our cart. And there's really nothing from the middle
0: Yeah, all the box things. Middle aisles
1: of the store that we get. And then, you know, we might go and get a bottle of avocado oil or olive oil, but obviously you're not buying those every time you grocery shop unless you're using a ton during the
0: week. Expansive.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then I will say, too, we buy whenever we can, however we can, we buy meat from local farmers. If you want high-quality, pasture-raised, grass-fed meat, which you do want that – All Um, the
0: uh, packing the vitamins there, yeah. Yeah.
1: Then the best way to do it and the most affordable way to do it is to buy a share of an animal. And I think because it's an upfront cost that's larger, many people feel like it's unattainable. or yeah. Yeah, Yeah. not affordable. But in reality, it breaks down to a much more affordable price per pound. So when we get from a local farmer here who does grass-fed, grass-finished, pasture-raised cows and pigs... Um, when we get a cow from him, it breaks down to, and we get a half cow and then split it with my husband's parents. So we get a quarter cow, which lasts us through a year, um, a whole year. So we're not buying any beef for an entire year. We literally get the cow. We have the freezer for it. We put the meat in our freezer and that's what we pull from all year round. So we're not grocery shopping for that. Um, so that ends up costing us around $3.90 to $4 a pound. But if you think about going to the grocery store and you want to get a grass-fed brisket or a grass-fed steak, it's like $19, $20 a pound. Yep. I mean, it's expensive. Yes. So I will just say, if you have the means to save your money and then spend it all at once on a a farm share then do it because it saves you a ton of money and I'll say the same thing about CSAs which are community supported agriculture community shared agriculture so you can buy a CSA share from a local farmer who raises fruits and vegetables and then every week how most of them work is every week they deliver a share to a pickup location and you go and pick it up so uh, if you're not familiar with that system you can just google CSA shares near me Yeah. And you can find a farmer who does that. And we did that for years before we had our own garden, because for the same reason that it's cheaper to buy high quality meat in a bulk share from a farmer, it's, it, it's cheaper to buy bulk vegetables. So you pay an upfront sum. And then for the entire spring, summer, and fall, you get vegetables delivered every week to that pickup location, and that's, yep. That are in
0: season, so your body season. loves it.
1: And you don't have to grocery shop, and it's all organic. And yep. yeah, not, I mean, most of them. I, I'm not familiar with any CSAs that aren't, because usually they're doing it to be a better <laughs> environmentally friendly option. Yep. Um, but I really encourage you to do things like that. When I talk about eating healthy foods, that's what I think about. Because buying local is A, much better for the environment. Better for humans, better
0: for economy. Better for for the economy, better for
1: your local economy. We loved supporting local farmers here in Iowa where we are and having that opportunity to give a small family farm the, the yeah. chance We're being to make rural. It. I do
0: think we have, like, that it's more accessible here. But I'm sure you can find it around, you oh, know? Oh, I like, think
1: most states
0: now yeah. have access to that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. even other states
1: like California, I had friends in California, they had way better CSA options than we ever had. Yeah. Just because... It's, there's demand. Yes. And a lot of people here in Iowa grow their own food. So there's a little bit less of a demand for it. So oh, that's I think fair. in yeah. states where people yes. don't have that option, there can be really good options. So okay. I would encourage you if you're already eating a nice balanced whole foods diet, that's one way you can up level.
0: Yeah. Yep. Up level that is yep. buy And go to the farmer's meat. market. Talk yes. to them about where you can do, where you can find CSA connections or just Keep buying from the farmer's market. And yeah, yeah,
1: yep. And then like Hayes said, that causes you to eat things seasonally that are in season. So our bodies were not adapted to eat tomatoes year round. I mean, there was supposed to be a season to that. So the fact that you can buy things like tomatoes and cherries in the supermarket in the dead of winter, like that's nice. But that's not how your body was evolved to eat those things. It was evolved to eat them seasonally. Yeah. And yeah. that's a much better option. It's it's There just are components in fruits and vegetables that can be harmful. Like tomatoes are part of the nightshade group, and it is a low level of toxins that they yeah. contain. So you're not supposed to be eating them all year round. So if you eat them seasonally, then you get the nutrients from the vegetable without overloading your body with the toxins. So
0: yep. that's your how to up-level. Yep.
1: If you're you know, on the standard American diet, again, no judgment, but the first thing that you can do to up-level your diet is to remove the processed foods, remove the packaged foods, remove the processed sugars. So white refined sugars. Again, go listen to our sugar episode to learn all about sugars and why you want to avoid them and what types of sugars to look out for on labels. So definitely cutting out the sugary drinks, yes, like sodas and
0: pops. Yes, the main big ones. Yes,
1: cutting out the processed refined foods, cutting out the refined sugars. That's where you can start. So if you're doing that and and that's the first goal you're working towards and you're only having two or three servings of vegetables a day while you work towards that goal, okay, that's fine. Yep, You make the next step after you've eliminated those things that are really bringing a lot of toxicity into your diet. The next step is to add in things that bring health benefits.
0: yep. And I would say for, depending on like where you are at in your, um, like life, I guess what season you are, um, ways that you can get whole rule, real, real food in your diet is through like the meal plans, right? Like my best friend, Stacia just started doing, oh, which one is it? Like the green chef. Oh, I know, sure. There's one of them. That the has meal
1: delivery service. The meal delivery,
0: yes. Which they have a lot of those like real foods and they teach you how to cook it. Now that's more expensive. So like just know where your life is, where if you're more on a budget, um, do the rice and beans and the, you know, like the veggies yourself and cook. Like there is a space for everyone for that. But then if you need convenience, buy the already prepackaged meals. So yeah, yeah, there are a
1: lot of there are a lot of good options out there today. It became so much more popular. Yeah. Having that home delivery service where they drop off a certain number of meals per week that yeah, you can make like, like they give you foods. all the ingredients, and then you can prep them. So yeah. go go to that step next if you have the means to do it. Or like Kay said, buy the less expensive things in bulk, like rice and beans. Yeah, you know, supplement your diet with that, and then get if you're just focusing on buying single ingredient foods. Again, that's how you can up level. Yep up level your diet if you're yeah. really following right now that standard american diet removing the inflammatory foods alone like the processed foods and the refined sugars is going to make this really like yes. huge difference yes. in your overall well-being and health so don't feel like you have to do everything
0: yeah all at once yeah. and i would say too for me to learn how to eat better and cut out processed foods I just then had to kind of learn how to cook it to make food taste good. So Mm -hmm. this might be where this is our encouragement for you in this season of your life. Just get on YouTube and do some like healthy whole food meals and just kind of learn how to cook again. Right. Like we I remember the last five, 10 years I'm stressed. I'm working. I got kids like I don't have time. It's like whatever's faster. Open a can, heat it up. And that, you know, like that's now how we cook. And then it's like, wait, I need to cook. These vegetables, how do I even cook them to like them? How do I do it? And now I know because I've done enough YouTube videos. But um, So just research and get the recipes out and start making some delicious meals with asparagus and salmon and Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Oh, there's some good things out there.
1: And I'll just say nutrient-dense food tastes good. I don't know where the the origins of healthy food taste bad came from. Right. Obviously from somebody who didn't know how to make it. But yep. I will just say nutri- nutrients actually make food taste better. So yeah. having really nutrient dense vegetables and proteins yeah adds flavor like i'm not making that up there are flavor <laughs> yes. compounds yes. in nutrients like that make food taste better We evolved
0: to like crave those different types of foods and exactly. the spices and the seasonings and the oils mm,
1: yeah I'm exactly i'm hungry i just thinking about it so i would i would say don't don't let yourself be fooled by the idea that healthy eating is boring or tasteless or yeah. bland or whatever you have heard just let yourself start over with a blank slate Yep. yep and make it fun and enjoyable and i i'm always working to be present in the kitchen when i'm prepping food and not just totally check out so yeah. i try to remind myself when i'm cooking vegetables to stop and like think about what do they look like what do they sound like yeah. what do they smell like just that. Be in the moment. Be in the moment. Checking
0: in. Mm, my therapist that. would love you right now. <laughs> and my energy healer, they all love you. <laughs> this is yeah. what they keep telling me. Be yeah. in the moment. Be in the moment. Enjoy and love the moment of, and like the abundance from life, like these beautiful plants that we get to pick and eat or, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. And then if you want to get really crazy with eating healthier, the next level is growing your own food. But I won't get in depth on that.
0: But yeah, (laughs) I'm not there yet. I'm not there. (laughs) But we
1: have had several requests because my husband and I homestead. We have had several requests from people to do some videos that talk about our homesteading life and how we grow our own food. Oh,
0: this is a fun project. So
1: I'm saying it because I promise
0: I will do it. I'm not getting in on
1: it today's episode. We are going
0: to do some YouTube on how. I love that. Yeah. I want to know how. Heavens, I'm real bad at it. The basics of homesteading. And I bought chickens to try to be a homesteader. And my neighbor's dog ate them. And I I don't have the heart to get new ones. I don't know how to do it. So yeah. you teach me to yeah. save my chickens. Yeah. <laughs> no, I
1: well, well, we'll give you all of the things that we've done and what's been successful for us and what hasn't. So stay tuned for that podcast. Yes. We'll get into that. I promise. For the people that have asked for it, this is me committing to doing it.
0: Yes, right now. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it.
1: Heard it here. Okay. So I'm going to move on to number two. Oh. The second thing. Okay that you could do and change in your life to be healthier today. These are literally things, they require no prep. No prep. I mean, except for maybe grocery shopping yeah. for number one, but, yep. but otherwise, no prep, yep. no special equipment. Nope, you, you can do it. Can do it today, you can do it and you will feel better within the week, I promise, yes. if not today, yes. if not today. Agreed. Um, so the second one is drink
0: water. <laughs> it's <laughs> my sound bit for that's, that one. that's case okay. yeah <laughs> and drink now that's the other thing too it's like why well, do I get more water it's like every time you think about it go drink pick go up drink so you should aim for at
1: least every day drinking at least half your body weight in ounces okay so you can do how many that ounces m- in
0: a in a gallon or why does that work how do I need to well there's eight ounces in a cup okay oh eight ounces in a cup okay then that's okay is, I wonder how much this is.
1: And there's four cups and a quart. Is that right? Oh, gosh. Oh, don't
0: ask me. I definitely don't know. Four, just quor- gonna... four
1: quarts and a gallon. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what I know. So, um, yeah. So I aim for even more than that. So I, I aim. aim to drink about a gallon of water a day, which is four quarts of water. That's my personal
0: aim that I work towards. Okay. I bet I, bet I get about a gallon. And I don't drink a lot. My husband drinks a lot of water. Like, I. Like, I should text him how many gallons, like m- multiple gallons.
1: Which I don't know that we're recommending that for you all. <laughs> I know, yeah. What, that <laughs> For that, the average person. I was like, I think he works out and he understands his metabolic health. but he checks in. The average person, you need to drink half your body weight in yeah. ounces. So make that yeah. your goal
0: that you're working towards. Yeah, not too much. There was that radio program where the guy drowned his brain because he had too much water. And they, yeah, that's yeah, true. They, and don't they had a competition? Urine, um, nutrients too much. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of water to have water toxicity which is why it happens in competitions, water drinking competitions, which is why those aren't allowed anymore. (laughs) So as long as you're avoiding that sort of a scenario, you're unlikely to drink yourself to death. But I will just say that drinking too much water, especially if you're not getting enough salt and electrolytes, can actually dehydrate you. (sighs) Because you're not getting the minerals you need and you're not getting the nutrients you need to take that water and bring it into your cells and utilize it in your Mm. body. So you're basically just peeing it out. And in the meantime, because your water is so dilute, you're pulling minerals and nutrients out of your cells to balance it, which is just... That's the process of osmosis. We don't have to get into that. But it likes to <laughs> be balanced, to right? So, yeah. <laughs> water is a solvent, and then minerals and nutrients are solutes. And so, our body, inside and outside of our cells, likes to have a balanced environment. So, it doesn't want your cells to be filled with nutrients and outside of your cells to be really diluted water. Mm-hmm. So, if it's drinking too much water and the the environment outside of your cells is really diluted from mm-hmm. all the water you're drinking and it doesn't contain enough solutes, your body will pull solutes out of your cells and and help not help that water outside of them not be so diluted. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how it's it works. It's all a balance of yeah, your it's whole all a balance. ecosystem
0: of your water cell nutrient yes. ratio-y. Mm-hmm. Yes. So
1: that's why you want to get electrolytes, drink water enough water and electrolytes mixed together. And I'm not talking about sugary electrolytes. I'm not talking about Gatorade or Powerade or any of those companies that are literally filled with toxic dyes and sugars. Don't do that. I'm talking about natural minerals and electrolytes. Even if you put like a quarter teaspoon of good Celtic sea salt into a quart of water. That's a good idea. That's
0: usually how I do it. Like little spring um, spritz of lemon juice. Yeah. And ginger or turmeric, uh, whatever it, you want. Then it tastes like a. If you don't like the taste Datorade. of
1: water, then you can add. I for my clients that don't like drinking water for whatever reason, I have them try different things. So adding lemons, adding limes, adding cucumbers, adding ginger, yeah. adding blueberries, adding cherries, like whatever it takes for them to make the water more palatable until they're used to drinking it. Yep. Um, Because it's kind of a surprising number of people that are like, I don't like the taste of water, which I can't personally relate to. Yeah. But I know that it's real. And to some people, it tastes bitter or metallic. And so Mm -hmm. I think just adding the things that make it taste a little bit better. Or also drinking herbal teas, not caffeinated teas, so not black tea. um, But herbal teas can count towards your water intake Mm -hmm. for the day. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, and I do recommend drinking warm water when you can. Um, I mean, I do it all day throughout the day. I just add warm water to my water bottle um, because it helps your body absorb it better. Because if your oh. the water is really cold, your yeah. body has to heat it up first before it can use it.
0: So Interesting. Drinking okay, I naturally do effective. room temperature, so mm-hmm. maybe that's good. Okay. Yeah.
1: So if your first goal is to go from drinking one glass of water to four glasses of water a day, I don't care what temperature it is. I mean- Just what, drink it, you're Just right. drink it, That's do whatever details. It takes. Details. <laughs> yep. But if you're drinking eight glasses of water a day and you need to get up to 12 and you're already doing the eight, then yeah, yeah start focusing on making those glasses of water warmer, room yes. temperature. Yeah, you don't wanna be drinking it filled with ice. It just requires your body to put out more energy in order to warm the water, in order to utilize it. So it's a small detail, but it's an important detail. But again, if you're starting at- Level one, Mm
0: -hmm. don't worry
1: about that for now. That's part of the up-leveling thing,
0: I would say. That's interesting, too, about how, like... Again, like how our body like drinks or eats as opposed as we've evolved because it's like refrigerators are like a new modern science, right? So it's like we would have just drank the water that's out in nature and drank what we had where now it's like you get it from the fridge and it was made cold. So our body's like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. And if you were hunting for water and you came across a fresh mountain spring, it would be
1: cold water. But you but would be putting it, yeah, yeah, into containers to bring back to your yeah. camp or to your tribe, yeah. And it would be sitting just at that room temperature. It wouldn't yeah. be sitting in the refrigerator. You wouldn't be adding ice to it. So, and maybe you were just you were colder outside yeah. anyway, so you didn't yeah. need ice water. Now we're in this like constant temperate, yep. yes, controlled yep. climate and environment. So we have to do things to balance it. But we used to just live out in the hot and in the cold, and our yep. body could regulate those things itself instead yep. of. Now we're uh, we paying for hot and
0: cold with infrared saunas and cryogenic yeah. therapy. therapies, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: So a couple of things, because I always like to go into the why it's important so that people have more motivation to do it. Because if yeah. I just tell you, you need to drink half your body weight in ounces, but you don't understand why it's so important, I think it's less motivating.
0: Yeah, it just feels like one more rule.
1: Yeah. Um, so the body, so that you understand, our bodies are composed of only 25% solid matter and the rest of it is water. So we're 75% water.
0: Wow. Okay. I think I've like sort of heard that before, but that is quite something.
1: Yeah. And the brain itself is made up of 85% water. So
0: I'll drink to that
1: right there. That's a good reason to stay hydrated is because you are made of water. So if you're not drinking water, then you're injuring your cells, including your brain cells. Um, And some estimates have shown that upwards of 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated, Chronically dehydrated, meaning that it sounds that, less dangerous than it sounds. Yeah, I
0: feel like it sounds like well, drama. It does sound like We're drama. Dehydrated, and I think when
1: people think about dehydrated, yeah. they're picturing themselves out on a 90 degree day, suffering yeah. from heat stroke. But yeah. that's not what it means to be dehydrated. By the time you actually feel thirsty, you yeah. are already dehydrated. Yeesh. So I w- what I mean by chronically dehydrated is that your water output is greater than your water input on a single day and that that happens day after day after day right like it and happens to everyone out. so to me it happens every once in a while like there are just some days i don't drink enough water but it is not it is rare that that happens. But for 75% of Americans, that is every day. Their water output is greater than their so water their functions input. functions
0: and their bodies don't have what they need. Yeah.
1: yeah. And body water is lost through the skin. So when we sweat, but even when we're not aware of losing water through the skin, it's yeah. still, it's part of our heating and cooling system. Mm. So when we get too hot, our body releases water in the form of like sweat, whether you feel it or not on the outside of the skin to help cool the body. Um... But we lose body water through our skin, our lungs, our kidneys, and our GI tract. So even having a bowel movement, you lose some water with that, which is why mm-hmm. when people get sick and have diarrhea, they can get dehydrated really fast. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's not just urination that you're losing it from. Um, and especially the loss of body water without losing sodium causes dehydration. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's that situation we talked about of imbalanced solutions. So inside ourselves is too to concentrated of solutes and outside of our cells is to dilute of solutes. And so our body is trying to make up for that. Um mm-hmm. so water is necessary for the transportation of every element, nutrient, signaling molecule, chemical messenger, and hormone throughout our body. Mm. So essentially for every yes. form of communication that happens yes. in your body, you need it's got water. The flow. The flow. In yeah. order to carry everything, which is because things travel by your blood, and what is your blood made of? Water. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like you got really sludgy. You know, yeah, gone, like, sludgy.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, and when we're chronically dehydrated, our body will actually ration out water. Um, so it will give priorities to the organs that need it the most, like the brain. Okay. And it will deprive other less brain. essential less essential in quotes, organs and processes of water. But appendix be one of that? Okay. Well, (laughs) I'm like, just because we don't know what it's used for doesn't mean it's not used for anything, but... (laughs) But yeah, so if you think about that, like to me, I'm like, what organ in my body is not essential? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> what process in my body is not Kidneys, essential? I need yeah,
0: liver, I need stomach. Cold. Okay, you're right. Yeah, you're like
1: right. maybe you die slower if one of those things fails, but it seems like it's a more miserable way to yep. die than yep. if your heart stops. I mean, it's kind of like quick and over, but. If your liver is failing, that's a horrible way to go out. I need out. my
0: brain to go first. And then, okay, shoot. Then we don't know what the pain is. Yeah.
1: Like. So... And I'm not trying to be insensitive about any of those ways of dying. I'm just saying that. Oh, you're right. That got me, morbid and
0: sick a little bit. It got bit, morbid, didn't it? but I'm
1: just saying. Okay, like, yeah. Got- to me, every organ and process in the body is essential. So if you are chronically dehydrated and you have to r- ration out water, I just don't really want to know what the body is going to choose. Yes, first yes. and find out what it chose last. Point is, I just drink rather water. drink enough drink water, water. water and make sure every organ has what it needs. Yep. Um. So interestingly, this is one of the things i I learned when I was researching this topic that I think is is intriguing that histamine, which yes. maybe you're familiar with histamine, it's what if you're familiar with antihistamines, it's like usually what's given in response to allergies. Mm-hmm. So histamine is one of the signaling molecules that becomes elevated when you have Uh, an allergic response or chronic inflammation, histamine tends to be elevated in those situations. Um, And histamine is one of the major water-regulating neurotransmitters.
0: Oh. So
1: when we are dehydrated, histamine becomes elevated. And where there is chronically elevated histamine, there is chronic inflammation. And so what's what and and histamine the reason it's elevated in those cases is because it causes water and fluid retention Mm -hmm. so you want high levels of histamine when you are dehydrated because you want your body to retain water and not be urinating it out all the time yeah because the problem is that you're dehydrated so you need to retain whatever water you can And so you have elevated histamine to help your body do that. However, with that comes a lot of the symptoms of elevated histamine, like runny, stuffy nose, chronic asthma, um... Even like just body-wide inflammation, joint pain, things like that. Okay. And so what happens usually is when we go to the doctor with those symptoms, we're given an antihistamine.
0: Antihistamine. Mm, And so
1: then we suppress histamine in the body and then we we stop retaining the fluids as well. And we're still chronically dehydrated because we haven't solved that problem.
0: Oh, yeah. But we're
1: just peeing out all the extra water now. So now we become Dang. even more dehydrated. And mm. so then we're masking the symptoms of elevated histamine with the antihistamine. But we are not getting to the root cause. And that water deprivation is now worse. And so the root problem is getting worse. So okay. honestly, if you have a lot of those seasonal allergies and asthma and things like that, the first thing you can start doing is adequately hydrating. Yeah and making sure that you're supporting your body's responses. And I wanna just say on this note, because I know we have listeners on this podcast that are doctors. And so I'm not slamming medicine or doctors for giving out antihistamines. That's the tool that's in their toolkit. That's what they've been trained to do. When you see this response, you give this pharmaceutical to address it. And for most of their patients, it brings relief. And so why not keep doing it? Yeah. So there's not, a place. For yeah, that. there's yeah. a place. But yeah. they're not medical doctors. Even only 25% of medical doctors in the U.S. have had even one nutrition class.
0: Wow. So
1: to have the connection of food and body. like, yeah. they're, OK. It's not in their wheelhouse. It's not within their scope of practice. That's not how they were trained. That's not the tools they were given. Yeah. So. I'm not slamming medical doctors for giving out antihistamines because that's what they've been trained to do in response to that problem. However, if if I'm I feel for myself, I yeah. always have to be my own advocate, and so I like to do my own research and do what I can to help my body perform optimally first. Yeah, that is my first line of defense, and so. One of the simplest things you can do when you're starting to have those chronic inflammation sy- s- symptoms yeah. is drink more water. I mean, uh, and see what happens. Do your symptoms get better? Do they get a little bit less? Do they get more severe? Yeah. You you be the judge because you're the only one who's going to know how your body responds to that. And maybe some people need to drink more water than others, depending on their own meta- yeah. metabolic health. Um. So anyway. And yeah, and
0: that's not to say it would like. Cure cure whatever is like going on at the root root, but it would sure help, and then we can get to the root, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and
1: frankly, it could
0: be curing the root because okay. it really All the chronic way down. Okay.
1: dehydration could be at the root
0: of your could elevated be the cause. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then I would say definitely give it a shot. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. Water exactly. is free. <laughs> it yep. should at
1: least be the first thing you try and yes. do. Yeah. And of course, we know allergies and seasonal allergies come usually from a host of problems stemming from a leaky gut, disturbed GI,
0: Yes, that's microbiota. what I think I was thinking. There's a lot going on. There can
1: be a lot going on. But for a lot of people, dehydration can be at the root of it. And frankly, if you have a damaged gut, dehydration is at the root of that, too. Because uh. when your cells dry out and become more shriveled instead of being full of water than those tight junctions in the gut that line the gut. there's room to get through. There's room for the food to get through. And we've talked about leaky gut before in other podcasts, so I won't go into it in depth here, but even that comes oftentimes from chronic dehydration because our cells do not have adequate water to remain firm and full and maintain that gut lining integrity. So- Yeah, so drinking water. And now, of course, once you have leaky gut, you need to address that problem, and you won't just address it with drinking water. But if you drink enough water, you will help make sure the body can heal adequately from that.
0: Yes, give your body everything it can to be healing. Yeah. Absolutely. So another
1: thing about water is that it's essential for the production of ATP. Now, we've talked about ATP in other episodes before, but that's adenosine triphosphate. And that is the body's main source of energy. Okay. So you need water for the production of energy because as water flows through your cell membranes, it basically generates this hydroelectric current. Um, and then that current generates energy, which then we store as that ATP molecule, as well yeah. as guanosine triphosphate, which is GTP. Okay. So that's all a bunch of lingo and jargon.
0: and You don't to have to again. know it,
1: but just so <laughs> that you know... <laughs> That's why it's important for energy creation and storage in the body. So if you're chronically dehydrated, you're probably chronically fatigued too.
0: Um, Okay, on hand with this, thinking of like um, caffeine. So you know how they say if you have a cup of coffee or an alcoholic drink, you need to drink twice as much water because it dehydrates you, whatever. What's the science with that? Is that true? Do you think if you... Well,
1: I think the main thing with caffeine and alcohol is that they act as diuretics. And so a diuretic makes you urinate. And so it dehydrates you in the sense that okay. your output of water increases. Got it, yes. And you're, you need to increase your input to match that newly increased output. Okay. So that's, that's my understanding of how caffeine and alcohol, because they have that diuretic property. Yeah. And if you're on diuretics, which is a cl- whole class of pharmaceutical medications,
0: you definitely need to be drinking, you to be drinking more water
1: because it's increasing your output.
0: OK, and then I know with like caffeine and alcohol, you should be limiting that in your diet anyway. Right. Um, And for that reason. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, especially if you have a leaky gut, because now on top of the dehydration and the shriveled cells that are, you know, not allowing your intestines to perform optimally and have an optimal barrier to protect your body from food escaping. Now caffeine causes transient leaky gut because it's a stressor and it elevates cortisol and elevated cortisol causes temporary leaky gut and the same thing for alcohol, it causes Uh-oh. transient leaky gut. So
0: for our coffee addicts out there. Oh no. Shelly Which I'm no not,
1: <laughs> Which I'm not um I'm, I'm not saying don't drink coffee because coffee has a lot of benefits. Yeah. I'm just saying Like moderate watch it and drink and a lot of water get get the water that yeah. you need to to match that intake of coffee so if as you're increasing your output of urine you need to be drinking enough water to make up for that yeah so you're going to have to increase if you're drinking half your body weight in ounces of water and you're also drinking half your body weight in ounces of coffee you're gonna have to do better right. um yeah so coffee has a lot of health benefits giving Properties. So it's one of those things you need to balance the pros with the cons. Alcohol yeah. does not have a lot of health giving properties. And has, so
0: Does it have mental health um, no. advantages? Oh, no. <laughs> no,
1: you might feel better when you're drinking it, but it does not convey any mental health advantages. Okay, it's do not, not support, repairing the problem. We do
0: not. So it's not. Uh, <laughs> alcohol will not solve your problems. That's yes. an official statement. <laughs> yes. It
1: officially does not. It's on the record as officially not solving your problems. Um, so another thing with chronic dehydration is it can result in heartburn and increased risk of ulcers so if you have heartburn if you have what you think is high stomach acid try drinking more water and avoid i i always say around meals drink a glass of water within half an hour before a meal yeah so at at closest half an hour so don't drink a huge glass of water right before a meal oh drink water 30 minutes before a meal. That's an easier way to say it. And then don't drink water with your meal. Okay. Because that can actually kind of slow your digestion. I
0: did not know this.
1: As far as my understanding is, because it can slow your digestion, yes, it can help you feel fuller, but it also slows the passage of food through your digestive tract which you don't want you want that process to be efficient so i stop drinking water half an hour before a meal and then i start drinking water again like an hour after a meal (gasps) just so i'm not like piling a bunch of water on top of the food my stomach is already trying to digest and i will especially say if you're drinking cold water you for sure don't want to drink it with a meal because now your body is expending energy to heat up the cold water. And that's energy it needs to be spending on digestion. So when you're drinking ice cold water with food, your body has to work really hard now at digestion. So
0: this is a mind shift for me. I'm going to have to work on this one. Yeah. Because I also do kind of drink because I'm like, oh, and then if I drink, I won't eat as much. So this will be a mind shift. I'm going to play with this one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it does work. I've seen that as an advice, like a piece of advice for weight loss is oh drink a glass of water with your meal which if you have problems with overeating then sure i can see that being yeah. helpful yeah yeah but you probably don't have problems with overeating yeah. right and yeah. and and in reality you're probably not even getting enough calories in a day so yeah. so i don't think for most people there's a lot of health benefits to it if yeah. you really do have an issue with your hunger signals and you don't know when to stop eating. Drinking water with a meal can help you feel fuller faster. Yeah. Um, so if you need to do that to become master over those sy- systems, good. But if yeah. you're not actually having a problem with just like you literally can't stop eating or you can't turn that signal off, then I don't. I think it just makes digestion harder okay. and slower. And I don't okay. see any advantage to it personally. Maybe that'll change. Maybe we'll do some, I'll do some research after this and find out that it should be different. But right now that's my stance on it. So I'll give it a try. Yeah, I would try it. So I usually, I mean, I'll take a few sips of water after a meal, but I won't drink a big amount of water until about an hour after a meal, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. So I'll take some sips of water. But then after that period of time has elapsed and I think that my body has gotten the digestion done that it needs to and is focused on that, then I'll start drinking a lot more water.
0: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, in between that them sense.
1: and then stop before a meal so
0: yeah
1: um yeah so with that so chronic dehydration can resolve or can result in heartburn and increased risk of ulcers so improve your oh. water intake address some of those issues yes. again maybe you don't need the pharmaceuticals to deal yeah. with the heartburn maybe you're just chronically dehydrated and you need to try drinking more water first and
0: see how you feel my daughter has heartburn mm-hmm. enough that we, and we'll we'll watch it right like don't eat the carbs don't eat or, I mean eat some but like I'll kind of watch it but I never thought of the water link mm-hmm. so I'm gonna try this one now yeah
1: okay it cannot and and it's linked with constipation too I can't tell you because I always ask everybody about their poop when I meet with them in a wellness consultation. Talk to me
0: about your poop. Talk to me about
1: your poop. (laughs) It's just my favorite topic of conversation. So it's a a great icebreaker. Can can we
0: send pictures to you? Can we?
1: (laughs) I I won't say it's not been done. (laughs) (laughs) What does this mean? And I'm like, oh God, okay. Okay, Let let me scrub my eyes for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, now that I'm prepared for that picture that you just sent me. Um, yes, no, it yes. really, truly. I can't tell you how many people have said they're chronically constipated. Yeah. And when we... I, yeah, I hear that
0: often. Yeah. When
1: I ask them about their water intake, it's almost always medium to none. Okay. And it almost always resolves when they increase their water intake. Okay. I literally had a patient who had been chronically constipated for Decades. I mean, since they were a child and they were now in their 60s and they had been chronically constipated their whole life. And they had been to every GI specialist that there was. They had been to the medical doctors. They had done the prescriptions. They had done the Miralax. They had done you name it, they did it. And the first question I asked them was, Well, how much water do you drink in a day? And she said, almost none. I don't like the taste of water. And I said, OK. Oh. Did, and then she volunteered the information. And I haven't liked it since I was a kid. I've always thought it tasted metallic. I don't like the taste of it. Oh. I don't drink it. And I said, OK, well, I think your chronic constipation comes from the fact that you have been hugely dehydrated since yes. you were a child.
0: That makes sense, yeah.
1: And so that was the first thing I had them do was increase their water intake. And lo and behold, they started having normal bowel movements for the first time in their life, changing nothing else we didn't change anything else in their water. diet i just had them drink more because water I keep
0: drinking every time i have a revelation here
1: about- <laughs> you can make it a drinking game and you just drink water every yeah, time every you- yeah. Gosh. so literally wow. they spent thousands of dollars and gotten tests and uncomfortable tests colonoscopies and like probes and yeah. uncomfortable tests and had been through a lot and it's a lot of money to do all of that and had seen all the specialists and had no answers and nobody at any point in that journey that was on their healthcare team had thought to ask them how much water they were drinking. So i like think so simple. And so simple. So silly. Like, yeah. And I'm just saying like, again, it's outside of a medical doctor's scope of practice to really think about nutrition on a deeper level like that. And so that's just naturally not going to be their first question. And maybe for some, it will be. But for the people that were on her team, nobody had ever asked her that before, and nobody had ever told her the importance of it. Wow. And so it was that simple, just and it was a free solution, right? Like fifteen thousand yeah. dollars, and fifty years later, yeah, they had the solution was at their fingertips. I mean, thankfully, that's, that's not the case for everybody, but thankfully, water is at our disposal, and. Yep. It is a free solution for us. And so I just was really, I was blown away. That was early on in my nutrition practice. And I was blown away. I'm like, wow. So it really is just that simple. Like just drink Drink more water. water.
0: Yeah, I didn't uh, used to drink as much water as I do now that I've heard how important it is. Because I never really cared for the taste either. I agree. It was just kind of like, well, that's boring. Hmm. But then now I'm like, oh, I I just want water. I just need water. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I will say too, the more you get used to drinking more water, the more you start to crave it. So because I drink a lot of water, I do crave water more often, yeah. and it's it's on my brain more often because yeah. yeah. I've made it part of my habits. Whereas before, you know, years ago when I wasn't used to drinking water all the time, I could go like eight hours without drinking any water yeah. without even thinking about right. it, yeah, because I wasn't in the habit of drinking it. So if you it it it's not going to be impossible. You just you need to get in the habit, and it takes some time to yeah. form a habit like that. Yeah. So be patient with the process and work on it yep. and, and yep. it will become second nature to you and you'll suddenly feel like you can't go anywhere without your water bottle because you're so used to drinking yep. water on the regular and I- your bladder will get used to it too. Yeah, for those too. Those of you who are like, no, I can't drink more water because the bathroom is really far away from me at work. I'm like, you, you honestly have to power through it for a little while yeah. and take the frequent bathroom breaks as you need it. But it's it's temporary. Your body does eventually get used to processing that yes. amount of water, and it will start to utilize it and not waste so much of it. So, yeah.
0: I agree. That's the one thing. I'm like, I can't drink all this. I don't. I hate to stop and go pee, but that's one of those. Also, therapy moments of like, okay, just stop and go pee. Just take the time. Just take relax. Take the time. You're worth
1: relax. it. What is more important than you functioning and thriving on a molecular yeah. level? Like, no job is worth
0: giving yourself a bladder infection. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. I don't care what you're doing. Yes. And I feel like our next generation is doing a good thing with having these um, hydro flask world, right? Like yeah. they carry them everywhere. And I feel like that has been kind of helpful for me I just take my hydro flask or my knockoff everywhere I go and then I always have water with me and that's it's just kind of a fun new thing that you just take your water bottle and I feel good so, yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly um So another thing that chronic dehydration is linked with is oftentimes joint pain, which can be really exacerbated by being dehydrated Um, because the cartilage surfaces of your bones and joints contain a lot of water and and they need that water and that lubrication for Mm, them to slide and glide past each other. And so when you're dehydrated. It tends to lessen that cushion space between bones and in joints, and then stuff grinds and rubs together in a way that it shouldn't. And so oftentimes, drinking adequate water can relieve a lot of neck pain, back pain, joint pain, and -hmm. headaches, of course. I think a lot of people associate headaches with being dehydrated, but not as many people associate things like hip pain, knee pain, back pain with it, but it's just as related. So. If you're having a lot of issues with pain, again, try increasing your hydration and see how your body responds to it and see what feels better. Because yeah. that could be, for some people, at the the root of what's causing that yeah. joint pain. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm a believer now.
1: Yeah. And um, an, another really important fact that I think people need to understand is high blood pressure can oftentimes be caused by chronic dehydration and properly hydrating can reduce blood pressure. And that's because again, like we talked about dehydration Increases water retention. And that's because it activates your renin and angiotensin sy- system. So, renin is your renal kidneys. That's in, in that part. So, it's your kidneys and angiotensin, which is a hormone that causes your blood vessels to constrict. So, that system is in place in our body so that when we are dehydrated, It triggers our kidneys. Our kidneys send out the angiotensin. The angiotensin causes the blood vessels to restrict and we we retain water. Um, But when you think about that constriction of blood vessels, what's it doing? It's forcing your blood through them more forcefully and faster. Mm. And that increases your blood pressure. And so when you are dehydrated, you're naturally going to have an elevated blood pressure. So again, before you go for your doctor's appointment, Make sure you're really hydrated. Make sure you drink a good amount of water before that appointment to help your blood pressure so that you don't go in and have a high blood pressure and get put on blood pressure reducing medications when the the problem is maybe as easily solved as just drinking a couple more glasses of water a day.
0: I say, yeah.
1: Um, So... Um, another interesting thing is that our brain perce- or perceives thirst and hunger as similar signals because both lack of food and lack of water can create low energy.
0: Oh, so
1: that's oftentimes when people say like, if you have issues with yeah. overeating or knowing when you're hungry, sometimes it's dehydration that you're mm. feeling and your body is, is signaling you, Hey, I have low energy. And so you perceive that signal as, oh, I need to eat something. But in reality, what it's saying is, hey, I need water. Because like we
0: talked that, about. That, I would say that's a good mind shift for all of us. Because yeah. I think that too, like, oh, I need to go eat. Yeah. And I'll be like, no, okay, just go drink water. Drink
1: a glass of water and see how you feel. Because like we talked about, water is essential for the creation of ATP, which is our body's main form of energy. So if you are having low energy and you're perceiving that as a need for food or for sugar, then maybe try having a glass of water. And the other important thing is that um, we observed this because I was measuring all of my metrics when we were doing the keto diet. Yeah. So you can go back and listen to those episodes on the keto diet, but I was measuring my blood sugar and my fasting blood sugar, especially. and I noticed if I was dehydrated, if I had not drinking enough water, my blood glucose was way higher than it was if I was properly Crazy, hydrated. That water. And I drink a lot of water, so when you're thinking about somebody who's chronically dehydrated, then their blood glucose is probably chronically elevated, and that's mm-hmm. a huge problem. Yeah, because when your blood glucose is chronically elevated then your body is constantly releasing insulin. And eventually you can develop insulin resistance because your body stops responding as well to insulin. It's just being overloaded with it all the time and it stops releasing it at appropriate times. And anyway, so all that to say, chronic dehydration can play a big role in the development of that insulin resistance. So not that it's the only piece, but it's an important piece. So again, another reason to be hydrated. And- And even for me, for how much water I drink, just waking up in the morning because I'm sleeping through the night and sleeping eight hours without drinking any water, I'm waking, everybody wakes up dehydrated. So the first thing you should do when you wake up in the morning is drink at least eight ounces of warm water to hydrate your body and to start those processes.
0: I've always heard that. And I have to make myself do that. The first thing I like, I do not want to drink in the morning, but I, I do make myself. Yeah. Yep crazy or add a little lemon right like those tricks
1: and i like to have the warm water when i first wake up because it's it's soothing to me rather than waking up and drinking an ice cold glass of water which is kind of jarring
0: yes to my body i like
1: having a nice warm glass of water so that should be the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning and i i so i measured my blood sugar on a morning when i hadn't drinking any water And it was in the 90s, my fasting blood glucose. It was like 98, which is high. I like to see a fasting blood glucose for most people at about 85. So in the 90s, and especially when you're on the keto diet, where you're not eating any sugar in the form of sugar, and you're not eating sugar in the form of carbohydrates. So to have a fasting blood glucose at 98, I remember I took it that morning and I was like, what the heck
0: and so then my body what's my body doing yeah
1: so then i drank 16 ounces of water and waited about 35 minutes and took my blood sugar reading again and it was in the 70s so that was a huge difference for me so even doing all the right things with the diet my blood sugar was elevated because i was dehydrated
0: That, wow. So that's how
1: important it is. This
0: is like so funny in my brain that something so dang simple like water – I'm like, no, it's just water. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But it's like so critical. And I'm just like, that's kind of funny. It
1: literally is the one nutrient your body needs above all other things. If you think about it as a nutrient instead of Mm -hmm. just water, it is the most important nutrient that your body needs to utilize any other nutrients that you eat through the day. So you can take and eat all the vitamins and minerals you want. But if you're not drinking enough water, your body is not being able to bring those minerals and vitamins to where they need to be. In the body, because it doesn't have the solvent to carry them.
0: I'm literally going to drink more water today because Mm -hmm. you said all this.
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, So again, like we talked about, um, chronic dehydration causing elevated blood glucose, elevated blood pressure, increased hunger. Like, doesn't this sound like what the majority of people in the United States are experiencing, we have a lot of obesity, we have a lot of hypertension, we have heart disease, we have diabetes, and water intake can be correlated with all of those things, um, so it's, it is important. And you're probably thinking now, like, gosh, every episode we say, this thing is correlated to heart disease. This thing is correlated to cancer. This thing is correlated to Alzheimer's. Well, it's true. They're all correlated. They're all, I was going to say, it
0: sounds like there's a lot of things. And yeah. it's
1: why you can know people who eat really healthy and still get these chronic diseases because there's some other element in their life that's not... It's like the whole picture. Exactly. Like, make sure
0: you do everything perfect. Exactly.
1: I <laughs> so... um Again, I just wanted to say too, with the brain being eighty-five percent water, think about how it impacts our brain health and, and our, our memory thinking. and yeah. our thinking if we're dehydrated, which is why dehydration can also be linked to dementia and memory problems and Alzheimer's. So keeping your brain hydrated. Yeah, yeah. So especially, I know it's it is harder for older individuals to drink water i mean they already maybe naturally have more tendency towards being incontinent so they might have issues with you know frequent urination and and they just don't want to drink the water as much and they're losing motivation to drink water but it is for memory health so critical so if you are a caretaker of you know a parent or an older loved one it's really important to watch and monitor their water intake and encourage them for their own brain health yeah to drink water bring them
0: yeah So a gift when you go see them bring them yeah
1: bring them water and explain why right don't just force it on them because you're their caretaker explain yeah. to them why it's important for them and help them see i mean if they're motivated i think it helps them with compliance so Um, and then just a final note on water, the, the important thing is as you increase your water intake, you also need to increase your salt intake because salt helps regulate water levels in the body. So again, salt is not the enemy. Go back and listen to our fats and oils podcast, listen to our sugar podcast to see why salt has been so demonized. demonized, but you need water and salt together to regulate the water uptake. So, um, salt is necessary for many many processes in the body including breaking up mucus and phlegm which can offer relief for allergy sufferers. Oh. Um it, which is why Wait, like snot at- tastes salty is <sighs> because your body uses my kids salt like to, eat it. to break up your snot, yeah.
0: <gasps> That's interesting. Okay, yeah. and do you support salt on your food or in your water?
1: I do both, but it okay. depends on how much salt you're putting on your food. If you're eating processed foods or TV dinners or anything like that that are filled with salt, so much yeah, salt. Yeah, you probably have adequate salt. You don't need to be adding it to anything. But right. if you're making your own food, which yeah. hopefully you're aiming towards yeah. after listening yeah. to this podcast, then I aim for a quarter teaspoon of salt per quart of water that I drink. Okay. So, which is again why I like to do warm water cuz then I just put the salt in
0: and I mix it up and it dissolves, but I'm adding a little lemon juice to
1: that yeah, yeah. yes i yeah. have added lemon juice okay, too that's good I say, too. otherwise i
0: might not want to drink that
1: yeah, yeah. in it in a quart of water it doesn't really taste salty but okay, okay but yeah but for sure the lemon juice is just a nice additive um yeah. so salt can break up mucus and phlegm it can help your body absorb nutrients from the digestive tract it can help prevent muscle cramps it can prevent dehydration it helps keep your bones healthy and strong mm. it helps maintain healthy serotonin and melatonin levels. It helps balance your blood sugar levels. And if you're taking sea salt, Celtic sea salt, it contains many essential minerals and nutrients. So again adding salt with the increased water intake is important especially for that hormone health you know we talked about serotonin and melatonin and how many people these days have issues with depression have issues with sleeping and insomnia so some of that really could be related to the 75 percent of us that are chronically dehydrated and probably not getting enough salt because we've been told that it's bad so
0: I like it. On that note. I'm here for it. On that note of
1: insomnia, the last topic that we have today for, again, the things you can do to feel better today is sleep.
0: (sighs) Okay, and I, my sleeping is a little, I yawned a couple times here, and I thought, oh, I'm not trying to be, be rude at all. I'm just, I'm a little tired. So I'm here for sleep. Talk to me about sleep. I need, I need.
1: And we are going to do a whole podcast episode on sleep. It's such a big topic. I can't even hope to cover all of the points of it today. Yep. Um, and I'm not an expert in it, so I don't even want to attempt to cover all the points of it. But I yep. do have, hopefully, my friend, Dr. Brett Racine, scheduled for us to give us a whole podcast on sleep and he's the author of um his ebook sleep better tonight so he's gonna talk to us all about sleep but i'm gonna hit some high level points on sleep and why sleep is important so that you understand again something you can do for free
0: for free today
1: to feel better yes yes um so every person is different and their needs differ but on average you should aim for eight to nine hours of high quality sleep per day um and to me,
0: <laughs> <talking about sleep. laughs>
1: it's sad how much sleep has been downgraded in our society and yeah. belittled and and kind of chalked up to laziness, which is just insane. It's yeah. absurd. I mean, even like our ancestors, if you think about it, back in the day during the winter time, they slept for the majority of the day probably about 14 to 16 hours because
0: let's do that like right now yeah (laughs) Yeah. if you were
1: outside in the winter time and you just had like you you A, there wasn't a lot of food to be found, so you kind of needed to hibernate so that you didn't waste so much energy and you didn't need to eat so much. Yeah. Um, but you also needed to keep warm, so
0: yeah, it was just
1: all about being snuggly and warm, and yeah. So we used to sleep for crazy long amounts of time, and some animals still do that. Yes. Yes. Which, just on that note, again, because I'm always all about helping. like people not feel bad for sleeping yeah if you naturally feel more tired in the winter and want to sleep and stay in that's actually an instinctive natural response like no shame no shame (gasps) you should stay in and you should sleep and I think that's part of depression like what people think is seasonal depression yeah and that is real like I believe fully in seasonal depression but a lot of times I think fatigue and wanting to sleep gets confused for seasonal depression but in reality that's just what your body had evolved and adapted to do because we used to do that we used to sleep for way more hours during the winter time and move a lot less in order to conserve energy and so there is some remnant of that that i think still remains today and so i think when people naturally feel lower energy and want to sleep more they're like oh man i just feel depressed me yeah but in reality that's what your body was made to do anyway
0: That is interesting and that makes sense. I'm definitely more sluggish in the winter. And now here in Iowa, we have our first week of ninety degree weather, and I am like a spring chicken, like running around <laughs> and everything done. Where you know two weeks ago, and it's like uh, snowing out. You know, yeah. I really am like, no, nah, I'll do it another day. I don't yeah. want to clean the garage. Yeah. You know? So
1: again, listen to your body, and and I think we and just don't clean the garage. Don't clean the garage. Just yeah. sleep, sleep yeah, it the it extra hours. Wait. Yes. Um. And I think you know. So over the last fifty years, American sleep has decreased by an average of an hour and a half to two hours per night. So even as like 50 years ago, we used to sleep an hour and a half to two hours more per night, which is the equivalent of a full month of continuous sleep that we miss out on each year. So... Yeah, that's like, imagine that's how that's affecting our physiology. And at the same time, we're being overstimulated all the time from devices uh-huh. and we're not sleeping. Our brains are like. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I think about it as like being sleep deprived is almost a rite of passage for college students. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it's, like
0: boss babes. Like, I yes. Yeah. Like up late, got up early. I only got four hours of sleep. Yeah. You
1: almost brag about it. And I remember being in college. And for me, I very quickly learned my cutoff for studying was 11 p.m. I was yeah. anything I hadn't learned by 11 p.m. I was not going to learn at that point like at any other yeah. point. So for those kids that are pulling all nighters, you need to sleep after yeah, you learn it, something new. Stop it. So you need to sleep after learning in order to hit the save button on the things that you just learned and mm-hmm. save them for future recall. And so when yeah. you pull an all nighter before a test, your short term memory is there but you are not retaining any of that information. So if you have to wait more than like two hours to take that test after an all-nighter, all that information you spent the whole night studying is gonna be gone because you literally have missed the process during sleep that is required to store and recall that information. In
0: the brain, yeah.
1: So without sleep, the memory circuits of the brain are unable to absorb new information. And in fact, studies have shown that sleep deprivation can keep the brain from forming and accessing memories. So um We're gonna have to stop talking about sleep because you are yawning, like, yawning. like crazy
0: crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and like you mentioned, many top level executives brag about how little sleep they get, and like you often hear those go getters that are like, "Oh, yes. I'll sleep when I'm dead." And yes,
0: yes, 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 I've heard that. Yeah, and like, and well, you know what? At-
1: That'll come around sooner, th- sooner, <laughs> sooner than later that. if
0: you don't sleep. um <laughs> That's funny, and the like. Oh, I get up and I ran the marathon before I fed the chickens and I you know, that yeah. you know, and yeah and I got to work and golly. It's like
1: bragging about getting up at four a.m. Well, good for you if you went to bed at seven thirty and you woke up at four, okay, good. Good. But for the majority of people that are up until eleven. Like eleven, yeah. And then they're getting up at four, not so good. Not enough
0: hours. And
1: here's for those power hungry executives, like those like Yeah, I'm just here. The like men that are like, yeah, I don't sleep and sleep is for wussies, whatever. Here's (laughs) here's a good study for you. Men who sleep five hours a night have significantly smaller testicles than men who sleep seven (laughs) hours or more a night and have the testosterone levels of a man 10 years their senior. So your testosterone goes up and biologically your body seems 10 years older at least and your testicles are smaller so there's that for you oh, go-getters
0: there's that, go-getter, Go-getters you sleep way, when your dad It you're dead. actually affects the size like legit
1: Yes because wow. it's decreasing your testosterone and a lot of it impacts all of your sex hormones to be sleep-deprived, so... I'm going to need to see pictures. (laughs) I'm I'm sure we can find some. I don't don't know why you've seen one, you've seen them all, but... (laughs) that's that's the sleep deprivation talking
0: (laughs) she's insane now so
1: sleep deprivation is associated with obesity diabetes cardiovascular disease dementia alzheimer's increased systemic inflammation immune system dysfunction cancer and if those things don't cover it increased all cause morbidity and mortality so
0: wow i have i did hear a study that like with obesity that there was like your less than six hours of sleep that your chances went way higher Mm -hmm. um there is something to that yeah yeah you need need rest rest.
1: and i won't get into all the nuances of that again because i'll save that for our podcast that's specifically about sleep just hitting high level points here but Absolutely. So again, there's all those chronic Western diseases that we've heard about with sugar, that we've heard about with fats and oils, that we've heard about with water and dehydration, and now we're hearing about it with sleep. So this is why we're talking about these things, because the whole lifestyle matters.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And our message here is like, Change your lifestyle. It can be nearly free and you can have better health for nearly free. Like health doesn't have to be for just the rich people. Yes, it doesn't.
1: It's not an right. elitist thing. Right. Being right. healthy. Right. I saw somebody comment that one time on a social po- like media post. They were like, functional medicine is for the elitists. And I was like, under
0: what? pretense yeah. <laughs> yeah go drink your water go get more sleep
1: meditate
0: this stuff is free this exercise is free. unless
1: you're going to a gym or attending a class like this this stuff is free you can up level your health yeah for free
0: for free and
1: you can grow yep. your own food and you can make that really affordable or you can buy from a local farmer and again make it more affordable so yeah. i'm just saying yeah it's not for elitists but it's for everybody everybody it's should want to optimize their health that's yes. i mean an I guess that's my take, but yep. I am a nutritionist, yep. so I'm biased. Yes, yeah, I'll just admit okay. That. I have
0: two questions on sleep. Yeah, um, one I heard and correct me, or if you know, whatever. Um, that women need an hour more of sleep than men a night. Is that true? I've heard that. I. I I'm not sure. Okay, okay. And I but feel that with my husband. I'm just like, I just need a
1: little more sleep. I mean, it does make sense to me because women hormonally are a lot more complex than men. Mm-hmm. And because you need in sleep. In so many ways. In okay. so yeah. <laughs> and in so many ways. But because you need sleep for yep. hormone health, it does yep. make sense that women would need more. Yeah. Because of how biologically more complex. I mean, we have different things happening in our body. Yeah, yeah. Literally, we don't just run by a circadian rhythm, we run by an inferdian rhythm which is your like menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. so we have different rhythms that we have to balance and our hormones naturally fluctuate. They there's periods of time during the month where they need to increase and decrease and they need to do it all at the same time and all at the right time in order to have a healthy cycle so it makes sense because mm-hmm. sleep is needed to regulate your hormones that you would need more as a woman yeah yeah okay good but i haven't fact
0: checked that yeah yeah someone fact checked that for us yeah
1: did you and, have another question? oh the
0: other one was that um it, so would you need more sleep like if you're like healing more right like that probably makes sense yes. that if yeah. you're in like I, right. That would make me sense. Like I feel like there are periods of my life where I'm just sleeping and sleeping, and not to shame it or feel bad. Kind of like we said earlier. It's just like, oh, well, you're healing more, and absolutely, yeah. yeah.
1: Because healing takes place while you sleep. So your sleep is broken up into different cycles. So there's deep sleep, which happens at the beginning of the night. And there's REM sleep, which happens in the second half of the night. And the deep sleep is that restorative muscle healing, tissue building sleep. And so if you're not getting that good quality deep yeah. sleep, your body cannot heal. So it literally mm. uses that period of sleep when you're resting and all of your natural processes have slowed down or stopped. Um it's using that time to focus on healing. And so if you are sick, if you have an injury, sleeping more is really important because your body needs you to be asleep in order to work some of that restorative healing. So yeah, Yeah. it's a huge part of recovering from any chronic disease and any acute disease or acute injury is getting plenty of sleep so that your body has the time and the energy and the resources to dedicate to that healing process.
0: Um, I love that we are just like, Pro sleep. I yeah. mean, like, what a movement to get on. Yeah, on, you I'm know? On that bandwagon. Sleep, sleep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You wake it up at five unless you go to bed early. No, Doesn't that makes sense.
1: And as we get older, um, because our learning and memory formation begins to decline, um, a lot of people have looked at this connection, knowing that sleep impacts memory formation, and they look have realized that. Um, At the same time that memory formation is declining as we get older, our sleep quality is also declining. And so for a while it was thought, oh, those two things are coincidental. But actually now there have been a lot of studies that prove that memory function declines because sleep quality declines. Uh. So um and like for example deep sleep the restorative healing sleep that I talked about that we get in the first half of the night that really begins to decline as we get older um hmm. so it's interesting that that naturally begins to decline and then memory and brain
0: I'm going to try to hold on to that begins to decline. Can.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep. So there's a lot we can do to improve our quality of sleep um I'll get High level into those things, but then we'll talk about it a lot more in depth in our podcast that's specifically about sleep. Um, So, we now know that it is because sleep quality declines that memory loss, dementia, and Alzheimer's occur. Um, So, uh, here's another interesting fact that we can show the correlation between health and sleep. So, with daylight savings time in the spring, when we lose one hour of sleep, in the United States, we see a significant twenty-four percent increase in heart attacks the next day. So we, the next the day. next day, so we what lose one hour of sleep, and the next day, heart attacks incidents of heart attacks go up by twenty-four percent. And in the autumn. Wow. When we gain an hour of sleep, we see a 21% decrease in heart attacks the next day. No way. Yep. So we literally run this huge experiment on Americans every year with the daylight savings time, and we have proven out time and time again that losing an hour of sleep increases risk of heart attack, and gaining an hour of sleep decreases risk of heart attack.
0: super fascinating.
1: And we see a similar trend in car crashes, road traffic accidents, and suicide rates.
0: The next day. The next Who day. Who knew is so dangerous? The next day, that Monday. Good yeah. Golly. Yeah.
1: Um, so again, just high level sleep and obesity. Sleep has significant effects on our hunger hormones and our metabolism. So the hunger hormones include insulin, leptin, ghrelin, and cortisol, and those are all negatively affected by uh, sleep deprivation. And studies have shown that people eat twenty percent more than normal the day following a. A night of sleep deprivation
0: i feel that Mm -hmm. i feel that real hard Mm yes
1: um and then with the immune system sleep restriction to four hours even for a single night can reduce immune function of natural killer cells by 70 percent the next day
0: Cassie, this is why we're not getting up early to climb the mountain. Okay, I'm just
1: saying that. <laughs> so, four hours of sleep or less for a single night, your immune system is seventy percent less effective the next day. I am day. so
0: tired just thinking about that. Yeah, I remember if I've ever gotten up early to like drive to like the airport or something, I and I had to get up early. I remember thinking what a horrid feeling it was at like four a.m. driving on the interstate. And like feeling like my like hypersensitive to like survival needs. Yeah. Like I just remember like thinking like there's like animals in the woods that are gonna kill me. And it's like that is crazy, <laughs> but I just felt so on edge. I was like, oh no, sleep is my best friend. So yeah. Like I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, because
1: you're activating that fight or flight nervous system yes. instead of that rest and digest yes. nervous system. So Full
0: fight or flight.
1: Yeah, it makes yep. sense. Um and even just three consecutive nights of inadequate sleep can cause increased monocytes, neutrophils and B cells, which are all markers of um, basically like your body fighting something off or inflammation. Um, So it can increase all of your immune cells in your blood and increase pro-inflammatory cytokines. So inflammation increases, the immune system becomes hyperactivated inappropriately and the effectiveness of the immune system goes down when we have sleep deprivation. and it does make sense then why chronic sleep deprivation when we're constantly inhibiting the immune system is linked to the development of cancer. And in fact, the WHO, the World Health Organization has now identified shift work as a probable carcinogen. <gasps> That's because of fascinating. The effects on sleep quality because if you your sleep quality m- matches your circadian rhythm and when you do shift work, you're outside of that circadian rhythm. So I'll get into some details in just a little bit on if you're a shift worker, if you're a new mom, what you can do for basically unavoidable sleep interruption and deprivation, wow. some things that you can do to improve the quality of sleep that you get. But yeah, it's it's if you have the chance to move off of shift work or if you do it just because you like it,
0: it might be time to make yeah. a transition. My husband did um, shift work for a season and that was rough on yeah. all of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's rough. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, sl- and sleep can also switch off genes that have to do with the immune system and switch on genes associated with the promotion of tumors, long-term chronic inflammation, genes associated with stress, and genes associated with heart disease. Um, and sleep deprivation is also a possible cause of autoimmune disease as it increases those, again, as I mentioned, those pro-inflammatory cytokines and cortisol levels. Um, and animal studies have shown increased risk of development and subsequent worsening of autoimmune conditions like psoriasis, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, inflammatory bowel disease, and asthma with sleep deprivation. Yeah. And interestingly, sleep deprivation can also increase C-reactive protein or CRP, which is um, a marker of overall inflammation. Your doctor may or may not order that on an annual blood test. Um, But sleep deprivation can increase that marker of inflammation and it can increase your total cholesterol as well as your low-density lipoprotein or LDL cholesterol, which is your quote-unquote bad cholesterol. Um, And for those people who think they can get minimal sleep all week and then catch up on sleep during the weekend, that's a myth. Sleep is not something you can actually catch up on. Ah. Um, You can't get a deficit of sleep and then later make up for it with a surplus of sleep because Ah. especially with that... Week bad sleep yeah. weekend good sleep cycle um, because studies have shown that pro-inflammatory cytokines persist for at least two days after increasing sleep to nine hours a night which means you can't burn the candle at both oh. ends during the week and then try to catch up on sleep during the weekend your immune system never recovers during that time period and then you just move into the next week and you start again suppressing it. I need um,
0: sleep. Is all I get. Yeah, I was like, like I'm, I'm just
1: like I'm just putting Kate sleep over here. Um, and another important point is on the note of pharmaceuticals, sleeping pills do not induce naturalistic, effective sleep. So they do not induce that that deep sleep, deep sleep or REM sleep. They do what? help you sleep, but it's not high quality sleep, and it's not the healing sleep that you need.
0: So unfortunately what about melatonin if you take that
1: Uh, melatonin is your body's natural hormone that it releases to increase deep sleep and so it can supplementation with melatonin can help improve deep sleep and i've i've done that before on nights when i'm really stressed out or i have something and i just yeah or if i was on technology late and i was looking at a screen late at night and that interrupts your melatonin production so there have been times when I take melatonin for that, but I try not to make a general rule of needing yeah. it. Yeah. Because your body for should- For the
0: exception, not yeah, the rule. Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. Your body should produce what it needs to get effective As sleep.
0: the rhythm and the yep. sustainable,
1: yep. Yeah, you want to be doing everything you can to promote that natural rhythm instead of promoting an unnatural rhythm and then forcing by adding in the hormones that you need at yep. the right times is not really the optimal way to handle that. Yeah, so, yep. Um, a couple of tips to help you get better sleep. One is to avoid caffeine, especially after twelve
0: o'clock. Yeah. Oh yeah, noon. I can't have it after. Yeah, after lunch at all. Yeah, all right. I basically can't oh, have it any time of the day because yep. it
1: just wires me. But yep. But yes, especially for I know I know people who drink coffee late at late in the afternoon and think it doesn't affect their sleep, but it's probably because you're not tracking your sleep. Mm-hmm. So if I, I wear a sleep tracker, like this ring that I have on my hand is an aura ring. It tracks my sleep. It tracks my deep sleep and my REM sleep and my light sleep and how often I wake. And so if you aren't tracking your sleep that well, you may be sleeping through the night, but you have no idea what percentage of your sleep was deep sleep and REM sleep. Yeah. And caffeine does interrupt deep sleep. Wow. So if you're having caffeine later in the day, you may sleep fine and you may yep. fall asleep and stay asleep. Yep. But your deep sleep is probably pretty minimal. Yeah. Um, so avoid caffeine and alcohol. Avoid late afternoon naps. Um, yes. Smart. Yep. Any Anything, I mean, earlier in the afternoon is okay, but anything late and especially a long nap late will decrease your sleep that yeah, night. Yep. Um, that and keep sense. regular sleep hours. So go to sleep at the same time each day and yep. wake up at the same time each day. And don't change it on the weekends because that's essentially the same as inducing jet lag every weekend is you throw your circadian rhythm off by staying up way later than you normally do and going to bed or waking up way later than you normally do. It's the same as switching a time zone. So yep. um, keep regular sleep hours. Um, yep. Keep your bedroom cool around 65 degrees Fahrenheit or 18 degrees Celsius.
0: Sleep like a baby.
1: Um, and I'll let our guest speaker on sleep talk all about the science behind that. I won't get into it. Um, get sunlight exposure first thing in the morning, which triggers that healthy circadian rhythm. Yep. Avoid blue light before bed and wear Ooh. blue light blocking glasses. Mm, that's but I will say just wearing blue light blocking glasses and then being on technology doesn't actually solve the problem because we have photoreceptors in our skin that absorb blue light. So it's not just enough to wear just blue
0: light. And blocking just a stimulation of movement on the screen. Yeah. It's a lot. It's like stimulating when you need to just calm down.
1: Exactly. Um, and keep your lights at home dim because even bright lights can stimulate that that awakening response that keeps okay. you awake and keeps you from producing L- adequate melatonin and i think the studies i've read have shown that exposure to even five minutes of blue light before bed can delay melatonin release by up to three hours and you mm. need melatonin and
0: you need to, those three hours yeah you need
1: that for your deep sleep so that can really inhibit your deep sleep um And if you are laying awake in bed for a long time, if you're somebody who wakes up in the middle of the night or has a hard time falling asleep, then you should get out of bed and go into another room and do something different until you start to feel tired because otherwise you begin to associate your bed with sleeplessness. Oh,
0: I've heard of this. Mm -hmm. That's smart. That's smart. Keep your bed, your sacred sleep and leave. Yep.
1: So you can retrain your brain if you get up get out of bed, go do something, do something relaxing. Don't go like exercise or go for a run or drink a cup of coffee or an alcoholic right. beverage. Don't right. do any of that. But if you get up and go read a book in a dimly lit um, area yeah. until you start to feel tired and then you go back to bed and fall asleep, you can yeah. retrain your brain to associate your bed with sleep. sleep. Yep. Yep. Smart. Um, and then avoid eating and intense exercise before bed. So your last meal should be a minimum of two hours before bed. Um, so shift workers and new parents, you can't oftentimes control your sleep. I'm so
0: tired thinking about that. I got yeah. a new puppy, which my babies are grown, so I don't have my babies anymore to wake up to. But my puppy, we got a puppy. And so now I'm a lot older now, right? So I got up to let my dog go pee two to three times a night. And I was a, I what am I, 37, 38? I don't know. Wrecked me. Yeah. Wrecked me. I'm too old for this. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, tell
1: me what I should have done. Um, so I'll start with shift workers. So shift workers, um, you can wear amber tinted or blue light blocking glasses during your shifts just to help.
0: Oh, that's a good idea.
1: Um, you can get blackout curtains and a sleeping mask and cover all electronics that are shining a light. Cover those with a piece of tape. So if you have a, a clock, first of all, if you have a digital clock besides your bed, I would suggest you get rid of it. I mean- Any light. Yeah, um, any light. And I know people use that as an alarm clock. And I know that's a good alternative to having your phone next to your bed. I support that. Um, I would suggest you just put your phone on airplane mode at night and just keep your phone by your bed and use that as your alarm as long as you keep either your router switched off or your phone on airplane mode. So those electromagnetic frequencies aren't bothering you all night. Um, but yeah, an alarm clock, unless you cover it up with a towel or something is even, even that source of dim red light, any sort of light in our bedroom can keep us from sleeping as well. Um, and so blackout curtains, because you're, if you're a shift worker, you're often sleeping during the day, make sure you have high quality blackout curtains and a sleeping mask. Um, And eat your meals on a consistent schedule to help your body adjust to a different circadian rhythm. Um, And then for new parents, obviously, some factors are beyond your control. But taking naps during the day is a very good plan B.
0: Yes, no shame. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so naps of 25 to 30 minutes can be very restorative. They can improve cognition, and they won't affect nighttime sleep. So you Albert can Albert
0: Einstein slept twenty minutes a day. Yeah,
1: yeah so brilliant. you can you yeah. can add in that, yep. and you can add it over the course of several times. You know, throughout a day if you need it. Um, and so then exhausted if you have more time to sleep, then you can plan to sleep for ninety minutes, which takes you through the stages of sleep into that deeper sleep. Um, it will decrease nighttime sleeping, but it increases your overall sleep hours, which is the goal. Okay. So you either sleep 25 to 30 minutes, which will help feel restorative, or sleep for 90 minutes. But sleeping okay. somewhere in between then, oftentimes because you go through different rhythms and cycles
0: oh. in sleep.
1: If you're sleeping for like an hour, you're coming you're waking yep. up in the yep. middle of one of those sleep cycles so you didn't
0: get enough and then you ruined your night's sleep yeah without having yeah. enough to or you worth feel it. really
1: groggy and drowsy because you were in the middle of a deep sleep cycle and you didn't allow that cycle to finish so yeah I have
0: been there I had woken up from a nap and I was like that was awesome and I've woken up from a nap and I was like that was terrible yeah okay so that's why <laughs> that's okay. why
1: so the 25 to 30 minutes or 90 minutes those are your your goals so again and if you're a new parent it's a season it's not forever you know and it is scary to hear all the stats and the facts on sleep but just use that as a reason to then outside of the unavoidable sleep deprivation not sleep deprive yourself for non
0: unavoidable reasons yes yes Yes. that's smart yeah do your best with what you do do have and and yep so Handle the rest.
1: so that's that's as much as I'll cover on sleep. It's such a big topic. Again, we'll have a whole podcast on it. Um, and geez, we could have had just a whole podcast on any of these topics. Water alone could have been its own podcast. But um, those are the top three. So eat a whole foods diet, drink adequate water and get adequate sleep. And we'll wow. go over the the next two on our next
0: podcast. Well, I am so appreciative of your knowledge on all of this. And it's true that like these very simple, super basic things that, you know, my grandma's always get good sleep, okay, drink your water, all that. And it's like, okay, it's too simple to matter. But yeah. it's like, oh, those are actually fundamental. Like that's really interesting how life the key to life are these super basic, simple things yeah, and the fundamental things. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. So this was totally good knowledge for me. And I will say drinking all this water, I have to pee so bad right now. is <laughs> like checking her watch. She's like, oh my God, God, are you almost dead? And I need to take a nap. So that's where <laughs> I I'm at. And I'll go eat real gorgeous food. Yeah. Also sounds good. Amen. So I love this. Well, I hope everyone feels a little bit more. Um, motivated to go and just do the simple small things in your day-to-day. It's worth it. The outcome is worth it. Um, and keep working towards health and wellness. Yeah, 100%. Hopefully you feel empowered.
1: Again, yeah. simple steps that you can take to regain control of your health. And yeah. and simple does not mean easy. It, it's not oh, always true. easy to make these changes, but it is really simple. So yeah. Just because it's simple, like Kay brought up, mm-hmm. don't dismiss it yep. because it seems too simple. Yeah. I mean, yep. there's some value in, in that. Yep. I'm not telling you to do anything you don't have the power to do right now, today. Yep. So,
0: And you're so right that you can do all of these for mostly free. Yeah. I mean, like short of like whatever the, the food. food. You're going to have to pay for food anyway, so a allot your money and... Literally, rice and beans are so good for you, and they're cheap if that's a thing. So, anyway, we'll yeah. we need to have a good podcast on that, like like eating well on a dime. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna make this the ebook. We're we're gonna
1: we'll we'll yes. we'll, we'll pull something together yes. for sure. I love this. that.
0: So. Another accountability. So, well, all right. Thank Thanks, renegades. Knowledge. Thank you, and for the rest of you, go be renegades. Go be renegades. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. Please keep
1: in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information. The content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct personal professional medical care and diagnosis. You should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change. Go be Renegades! be Renegades!